Demo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. And forward, standing six foot ten from the University of Texas. Number 35, Kevin Durant. Here's Cameron Payne out on top. Durant, three-pointer straight away. The first to be introed by Vince Morata last night, the PA announcer for the Suns. What did you say? First. First. Yeah. Yeah. It was typical. Yeah. History. Just, I, it, the, the trend had kind of been set, right? Like, whether it was Durant and Golden State, whether it was LeBron and Miami, superstar like that goes to a team that's already got an established superstar. You want to you want to continue to show respect to the established superstar. So what do you do? You just introduce Kevin Durant first. So that's what they did last night. Of course, that was his first field goal. His first points last night were from the free throw line. Yes, yeah. Um, but that was Kevin Durant. And, and last night, it was, uh, we've only had four games of Kevin Durant to judge. And of course, this was the first one in three weeks. It was awkward. It, it was. It wasn't smooth for Kevin Durant specifically last night. In fact, I was thinking about this during the break. It was almost like an exact flip of Durant's first game with the Suns. He was great. The game itself was kind of blah. Could be a couple of different reasons. One being home instead of being on the road. Yep. A lot of nerves. He does want to play well in front of the fans. They're all greeting him. They're, they've been amped up about this for a long time. And then, two, just the, the extent of the foot injury. I mean, he just, he did. He injured his foot. And so, and I know the, he had the knee injury prior, and he came back from them, and he was fine in those three games. But he may have been a little reserved. They were just rust. I mean, he had, and it's not just the three. He hasn't played a lot of basketball like this year. I mean, if you look at it, he got hurt in early January, early to mid-January. And up until last night, he you know we're 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 closing in on April's neck in in two days, and he had only played three basketball games. Oh, you know, just about you know for three months now. So I don't. I think that it was probably nerves and a combination of just not trusting the injury 100%. We all know that that's not going to be the norm. He'll bounce back with it. It's good to get that one out of the way. He'll bounce back. He'll be fine. Yeah, here's Durant after the game. He's 16 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists. He joked that he changed out of his basketball shoes at halftime because he was 1 for 8 in the first half. He felt like there was bad mojo with the shoes. Said, yeah, I might have been a little nervous, a little too overamped. It's hard for me to get sleep today. It was hard for me to stop thinking about the game and sometimes uh, you can want it too bad and you come out there and start rushing and start taking being uncharacteristic so I'm glad I'm back I'm glad I'm into the, the zone of playing again and being around the guys and being one of the guys again so just keep building from here you wouldn't think I, I think a lot of this just goes to show that Kevin Durant is human right like because you wouldn't think a player of that level of accomplishment would get nervous but you can understand why it's it's not only is it this anticipated home debut but it was a home debut that had to go on pause for three weeks because he hurt himself in some freak pregame warm-up, right? Like, so I'm sure he already felt like he let everybody down when he hurt himself three weeks ago. Knowing the level of anticipation there was for him to make the home debut, it's understandable that even a cyborg like Kevin Durant would get a little nervous about it because it's his very home normal. debut. It's very just, human, it's very right? normal for, you know, something like that, a big playoff game, I mean, a, the NBA Finals or a play, like any type of big game, a Christmas Day game. I mean, it's obvious that some, you know, that, that you know, 
know, the guys aren't robots, right? I mean, it's just you, you try to block out as much as you can. You get used to it. It becomes the norm. I mean, you know, once you're used to doing it, it does become the norm. But there are certain games that you probably have nerves. Yeah. Playing against a former team, playing against a teammate. I mean, it's probably situations where every single player has nerves. Plus, for a game. I, and I don't know how you felt about this. There was a stretch, and I didn't write it down. I just kind of took a mental note of it. There was a stretch in the second quarter where I thought he wasn't getting the ball in his hands enough. Like, he was out there with the bench guys, and he just wasn't getting a lot of looks, a lot of touches, and a lot of shots. And I remember at one point, my wife was watching the game with me, and I, I think I said she was in the room. I didn't mean to say it to her, but I just kind of said it out loud. Give KD the damn ball, right? Like, it, they went through like three or four or five possessions where KD didn't touch he, it at is all. Is that when he was just hanging out in the corner? It was so odd to see that for me. There, there was a couple of those where he was just hanging just, out in the And there corner. wasn't any movement. Like, there wasn't any... It was just like, I'm going to sit in the corner here. And I don't know if he was resting or... But there was some times where it was just like, I'm going to sit here in the corner. If You know, you throw me the ball, you throw me the ball. But it, there wasn't like screens to set him up for yeah. shots. And I just kind of wondered if he started pressing a little bit because he felt like he wasn't getting the touches that he should. Like, like we all talked about he doesn't need a lot of shots to perform well. I'm not saying he should get more shots. He just went a couple of possessions where he didn't even touch the ball. And I just thought that was really when you are got Kevin Durant and four bench guys out there. Kevin Durant should touch the ball every trip down the floor. Whether he could, shoots or not, he should touch the ball every trip down. Could it be down. because he wasn't shooting the ball well? He knew it and he trusted his teammates to maybe, make plays maybe. instead? Yeah, maybe. I don't have to touch the ball every play. I'll show you guys. I'm good. Like I'm not having. I'm not going to have my typical Kevin Durant day. I don't need to force 18 shots up. Maybe. I, I, and again, it doesn't have to be shots. just touches. I was surprised he went so long without touching it. But it, it doesn't... Look, nobody on this show or in any show on this station, I think, is going to panic over Kevin Durant having a so-so game last night. It was extremely rare, the kind of performance he had. I don't think that's going to be the norm. I don't think we... I don't think anybody who thinks about Suns basketball thinks that's going to be the norm. If we're talking about last night's game, I tell you, the, the thing that, that blew me away was Chris Paul, the high level he played at last night. He was... He was that was one of Chris Paul's best games, I thought, this season. He was terrific. Yeah, and, and again, he has the ability to do that. Can't, he's not consistent every day, but he's what a typical older player that was a superstar once. They're able to give that to you. Sometimes they're able to play really well. Listen, I trust that guy more than anybody on elbow jump shots. Like I, I still don't know why teams, when they're defending him, fall for the head fake because he, he gets to the elbow. I'm here. I'm going to look like I'm going to pass it, and then I'm going to shoot the jump. He always shoots it. He never passes it when he's there. Never. 99% of the time, if he gets to that spot, he's going to shoot it. And, man, it goes in. He is so smooth with that shot. You know if he gets to that spot on the floor, he's going to be able to make that basket. When he shoots threes or longer jump shots, you don't know. But if he can get to that one spot, man, it's like automatic, isn't it, mm-hmm, that he's going to make that shot. When you see a missing shot like that, you almost scratch your head like, what happened? Because we're not used to seeing that. After the game, he talked about with Suns Radio um, how he genu- genuinely enjoys playing with KD. Man, it's a great feeling, man. I just genuinely enjoy him. You know what I mean? Regardless, just having that basketball mind out there, knowing what he's capable of. Hell, I done guarded him in playoff series, so I know I know what he can do. He just he just played the right way. You know, it was times where I was pushing the ball up the court looking for him, and he was like, go. Yeah. You know, so it's going to be an adjustment where we're going to figure it out. Now, you've said in the past that you believe Chris Paul is one of the most important parts of this equation. I do. Not ruling and, him out. I think they need him. And, and, and you make a compelling argument. I, I think something I saw last night, too, that I think just has to be a staple of what the Suns do, even with KD and Devin Booker out there, is that 
two-man game with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, especially when Durant and Booker are on the floor and their defenders can't help. Their defenders have to stay with them. You have to. You can't leave either one of those guys alone. I think that opens so many things up for Chris Paul and Ayton. Because you think about the last seven minutes of that game, it was a lot of two-man stuff with Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. And I think that's where you can really see things open up for those two guys. Yeah, I mean, it was... KD was out of the game with 7.36 left, but he actually came back into the game with 3 minutes and 21 seconds left. And that was where you saw, you know, you saw a couple baskets from DA. DA scored inside off a pass from Paul, made it 99-91. He scored again off a pass from Paul, made it 103-97. They were raving about this bounce pass that, that Chris made. Right, right in his the, chest, right? right, right yeah. Even like, if you got the worst hands in the world, you're going to catch that thing because it was right there. Yeah, no doubt Chris about Paul's it. Chris Paul's going to be 38 years old in like six weeks. I know. Five weeks. He's going to be 38 years Don't old. Do you remember his birthday last year during the playoffs? It was the night it all went to hell. Man, 38. They were up 2 nothing on the Dallas Mavericks. He turned 37 and it's like the deal he made with Father Time expired that night because he was terrible the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, maybe yeah. he made another deal. <laughs> maybe he did. This is your last shot to participate in the madness. Text the word Bucks to 62620. Choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $250. Text the word Bucks to six. 2620. It is the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks. It's presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Anthony Richardson had his pro day today. A lot of people were wowed by the skill and the athleticism that impacts the Cardinals in the draft, right? Yes, it does. We'll tell you next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. He fired off a backflip after his pro day. He overthrew one receiver who was 70 yards away. (laughs) And in a feat that I didn't believe until Gambo actually showed it to me, Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, hit the ceiling during his pro day with one of his passes. Here's what it sounded like. Anthony's arm strength is his superpower, but everything just looks so easy. As you can see, everything's so fluid. As you can see, he hit the ceiling right there. There we go. We get quarterback hitting the ceiling. As you see, he gets a big laugh right there. That sounds like Larry Fitzgerald. In the beginning, it sounded like Fitz Let me me hear it again. Anthony's arm strength is his superpower, but everything just looks so easy. As you can see, everything's so fluid. It's not, but I thought it was him. Sounds like they're at a golf or a tennis match. It does, right? Then you hear this dong in the background, right? Yeah, listen, the kid is an incredible... Look at him. I mean, he's a physical specimen, and he could throw the ball 85 yards down the field, and he hit the damn ceiling, and... I mean, there's a lot to like about him. I mean, there really is. And there's going to be some team that's going to look at him and say, my God, this kid's got so much potential. I don't care that he went 6-7 and seven at Florida. I don't care that he completed 53% of his passes. Josh Allen didn't win all his games at Wyoming. He lost 11 or 12 or 13 or something like that. And you're going to, they're going to say, look, we can work with him. We could develop him into a good quarterback. I mean, he was good enough to play at a high level in the SEC. Yeah. You know, so why not give him an opportunity? So some team is going to be enamored with the potential that he could be a great. Now, everybody will say he's got the high. Highest ceiling and maybe the lowest floor. He might be a total bust. 
I mean, we've seen we've seen quarterback Ryan Leaf. I mean, you know, Ryan Leaf was a, was a total bust. It didn't yes. work out. As you know, but Ryan, I don't know that Ryan Leaf wanted to be great. Anthony Richardson seems like he wants to be great. Well, I think with okay, it, it feels like, and not that he's a bust yet, but it feels like Anthony Richards Richardson's range is could he be the next Josh Allen? Yes, he could be the next Josh Allen. Yeah, could he be the next Trey Lance? Yeah, he could be the next Trey Lance. And I don't even know what Trey Lance is going to be, but so far Trey Lance has been a whole lot of nothing in the NFL. Whole lot of nothing, right? Like he just has not panned out at all. Nope. For San Francisco, Anthony Richardson could I could very easily see him being one of those guys somewhere in between those guys. There's an unbelievable range. I I don't know. I do know this in a league that is enamored with quarterback play that is required to be enamored by quarterback play. Someone's going to take a chance. Someone's going to look at him and go, "Yep, my future is that guy right There's there." No question. We I don't know what team that is. guy. Yeah, we don't know who. But the Cardinals are in a spot where if they, you know, if you want to get up, if you are enamored with him, and you've got to think that somebody's going to fall in love with him, right? What's it? Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Somebody's looking at this kid and saying, "Oh my God, this kid's going to be great." And it might be several teams that think he's going to be great. I doubt it's just one team, but all it, you know, all it takes is one to move up to three and be like, "Hey, I'm not going to take the chance that say it's the." Say it's the Raiders. Okay. I'm not going to take the chance that Atlanta is going to move up and get him. I'm not going to take the chance that Indianapolis is going to move up and get him. And I'm not going to take the chance that Seattle is going to get him. I'm going to get to three and I'm going to get him. Because we've, I mean, I, I, one of Steve Kimes' biggest regrets is Mahomes, right? Didn't he love Mahomes? And yes. he kind of thought, when you want a guy, you got to get aggressive and get him. Yep. I mean, that's one of the rules in the NFL. If you fall in love with a guy, you got to do whatever you can to go get the And guy. that's where I think, like, the Jimmy Johnson chart, you know, for the uninitiated, the Jimmy Johnson chart and, and the, the variations of it, it's like the draft capital, if you add up this pick, that pick, that pick, it equals the number three pick in the draft, and you can kind of use that chart. I think when you start talking about quarterbacks, sometimes – those draft charts go out the window because of the exact situation you're talking about. To hell with the Jimmy Johnson draft chart when you're talking about three, maybe four teams that want to move up to number three to get Anthony Richardson. If you're yeah. the Cardinals, you play all of those teams against themselves and you make them all up their bids and make them make their best offers for Anthony Richardson. And and you say, screw the Jimmy Johnson chart. It doesn't matter when you're talking about a future first-round quarterback and the guy who you think is going to be your franchise leader for 15 years. It doesn't matter. Now, now, I, how this works, I don't know. I, I know that Carolina had a dinner with him. They've got the number one pick. I don't think he's going number one, but they're doing their due diligence. The Raiders had a dinner with him. They're at number seven. Pete Carroll was there for today's workout. No, di- no dinner with him? No, I, it hasn't been reported. How many dinners but, can a guy have? Just set up dinners from four to five, five to six, six to seven, seven to eight. I would think you'd have to mix in a brunch every now and then, a breakfast. Let, let's get let's get together over coffee, ten o'clock. Let's do that. Um, uh, but I know this: in the betting odds, Anthony Richardson is now the favorite to be the third player taken in the draft. It was Will Anderson for weeks. It's not anymore. It's Anthony Richardson. Now, Vegas odds are what they are. It's not like the end-all, be-all. But it is interesting to think that there's enough momentum for this dude that he is now the betting favorite to be the number 3 pick overall in the draft. Because that ain't going to be the Cardinals if it is. It will be somebody else who's moved into that spot. And and listen, there is... I want them to take Will Anderson at 3 or 4. And I'm pretty adamant about that. But there is... 
You know, like I used the house comparison, man. You selling your house? No. You selling your house? No. Somebody offers you twice what it's worth? Yeah, you're selling your house. So, like, there is a price point where you might be like, okay, that's too good to pass up. And I'm even, like, giving myself a little wiggle room for that. I think that's good. If they end up with two firsts, two seconds, a third, and a fourth, like, okay, like, I get it. Like, that's just too much. This team needs a lot. Anderson to me is the guy. Like if they get him, I think that's fantastic. If they if they're able to move one down down one spot and even just get a second round pick and still get him, that's great, Anderson. But if you've got to move out of the potential to get Anderson and you fall into a category where you draft in Tyree Wilson or the Oregon cornerback because you're at seven or you're at eight, but you've added all of these extra picks, I, I mean I'm not gonna be like that stupid. Like I do get it if the haul is good enough to to to, to warrant it. Yeah, and I would assume that the hall would be. You, you mentioned this earlier. I'm going to bring this up again. Um, the For me, this is just my opinion. When it comes to trading down, you said it was the, the top 10. I'm going to narrow it even more. It's the top eight. I'm not moving out of the top eight if I'm the Euros. And the reason, the only reason why I'm changing it a little bit is because at number nine, it's Chicago. They're not taking a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Number 10, it's Philly. They're not taking a quarterback. So you're a top so eight. I'm top eight. And that's Atlanta at eight, Vegas at seven, the Lions at six, Seattle at five, the Colts at four. You could argue that every single one of those teams are on the table and part of the conversation for the Cardinals to trade with. Every single one of those. Falcons, Raiders, Lions, Seahawks, and Colts. All of them could decide this guy is their guy. All of them could decide they want to move. And I think if you get them all bidding against each other. Now, the dream scenario is still, and you're so right about this, it's still make a deal with the Colts at four. It really is. Move down one spot, get Will Anderson, get it a couple extra picks, call it a day. Right. But if the Raiders come along and offer you that one, two first, two seconds, a third and a fourth, you go. You go. It's hard. hard Even I am ready to admit that that's hard to pass up on. You got two firsts, you got two seconds. I feel like you're emotionally growing on the show right now. I'm I'm impressed by it. It's like. It's the house theory. Like, you know, like, yeah. I'm not selling, but if, like, there always is something that you, like, there is a price for everything. That's just about everything. Yes, there is. <laughs> I'm going to de- decent proposal here, but there's a price for just about everything. You know? <laughs> Sorry, Demi Moore. <laughs> there's a price, there is. Like, there's a price where you're willing to, you know, you're selling your car. No, I really love my car. Okay, well, what if I give you this much for your car? Okay, I'll sell my car. Like, I don't, want to move off of Will Anderson. I think he's going to be great. But there is a point where if, okay, if you get six or seven picks and two of them are first and two of them are seconds, I mean, I understand that you have to do it. Diamondbacks are going to see some old friends tonight at Dodger Stadium. We'll tell you who you can expect to see this evening next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. David Peralta has joined the dark side. He has. See He's on the Doyers. He's on. We'll, we'll see him tonight. He's on the Dodgers. Daniel Hudson. He's been on the dark side for a while. He has. He has. He's. He's. We're used to that. As long as neither one of them turn into AJ Pollock, it's fine. Yeah, I chatted with Huddy today. Even though I mean, I still like. I still root for him to do well. But I he still is on like the Dodgers, him. But <laughs> you almost said I, I still like I still, him. I still like Huddy. He's he's great. Use your aggressive feeling. <laughs> Let the heat flow through you. you He gave me his glove last year. I've got his glove. 
I've got Daniel oh, Hudson's yeah? glove. Oh, yeah. yeah, me and my kid use it all the time. Like we go play catch and stuff. JD Martinez, oh. with the LA Dodgers. He, man, how old is JD Martinez now? He's, man, he's. He didn't have a good year last year, I don't think. Eight? No, he didn't. No, I don't think he's that old, but he's old. I'm going to look it up right now. J.D. Martinez is 35, will be 36 oh. in August, so okay. before the season ends. Um, but yeah, he he's first year with the Dodgers. Last year, he had 16 homers and 62 RBIs and 533 at-bats, but only 16 homers and 62 RBIs, and he hit 274. Down year for him with the home runs and the RBIs. I tell you what for in the history of Arizona sports and this this would be this would be a great conversation to loop Vince Murata into at some point cuz he would really know the answers to this I think celebrating guys who were just not here very long but were so great when they were JD Martinez would be in that Hall of Fame right like he was only here 2 months and those were some of the best 2 months that we it was so much fun with J.D. Martinez. Randy Johnson with the Astros. For half, I'm not talking here. Oh, but, here but yeah, here. here. No, I'm not talking about all time in sports. I'm talking about in the history of Arizona sports. The Short Timers Hall of Fame. J.D. Martinez has got to be a member of that. He He's, might be the lead. I can't think of it. Um, short. So that would be less than a full season. Yeah, somebody who was here less than a full season. And you still go, man, that was great. That was awesome. Like you know what? If, if you got any ideas, tweet us at Burns and Gambo. Or I'm trying to think of some of those Suns teams. Like, a, how long was Jason Richardson here? Oh, he was here a couple of years. He was here a couple he? of years. Yeah. You know, I I mean, it's I can't I can't think of anybody else. But this is where I love the audience to chime in. You got somebody, Mitch? I was going to say the big problem is is very rarely do the teams. Are they at a point where they can make a move like this, where they trade for a guy who's on the last leg of their deal, and then they don't end up re-signing him afterwards? Yeah. Like some of those time time specials, right? Like none of those guys got, to your point, none of those guys got re-signed. But like in the early days of the time time specials, you know, those guys who were here for less than a season. Right. Those guys, would those guys get put in the Hall of Fame, right, for the for the work that they did when they were here? Does, yeah. um does, um who are some of the time time specials? Who are some of the Abraham, uh, Antonio Cromartie, Antonio Cromartie? God, I, I would have put him in if he hadn't tainted the last month of the season because he was trying to save himself um, for his next contract. John Abraham, Dwight Freeney, Dwight Freeney uh, maybe would be in the Hall of Fame. Dwight Freeney was the short timers. Really who was good. the running back? Who was the the running back that Kime got uh, that was a Kime time special? A running back? It was a running back. The um, AP? No, before AP. Early, he got a running back. Who? Oh, who was it? Oh man, see this, Vinny. Where what, are you, Vinny? What years? Um, like 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. He brought in a running back, and he was terrific for a year. That was it. And it was perfect. I just can't remember who. Now, somebody will tweet me. I know somebody will tweet me the answer to that question. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. I, I just drove the show You're right off. To, yeah, right off the rails. I apologize for that. Uh, tweet us the suggestions because I think JD, JD Martinez is a founding member of the Short Timers Arizona Sports Hall of Fame for what he did when he was here. Um, all those guys play for the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks open the season tonight against the LA Dodgers. Here we go, 162 games, and the anticipation level. We're not like bursting at the seams thinking that this is a playoff team, but you can see a playoff team from here, right? And that's what kind of makes this fun is that this might be the last year 
where they're not a playoff team. And you can start to see some of the seeds being planted that are going to grow into a great crop a year from now. And that's kind of always so, fun to get in on the ground level. There's no question. I mean, I think that the excitement level and how... Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson. Thank you. That's who it was. That's who it was. just hit me in the middle of a sentence. Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson? Chris, I, I, didn't Chris Johnson have a... I'd have to look. You'd have to look it up. I'll look it up while you talk. Go ahead. I'm on J.D. Martinez's page right now. I was looking up how old he was. Look up Chris Johnson. Uh, yeah, the excitement level with how young these guys are is just great. I mean, Corbin Carroll and Jake McCarthy. And Look, I, we, we could talk about the guys. I'm really looking forward to the newcomers. We haven't talked a lot about that. George Goriel can hit. Gabriel Moreno could be your, your catcher for the next 10 years. Like, th- there's some excitement with some of the new guys that they brought in. Th- now, we don't know the bullpen for, you know, at all yet. And right now, from what I'm being told that I checked on this today, they're going to go bullpen by committee almost. Matchups. It'll be based on matchups to start. So we'll see if some of these bullpen guys establish themselves because their bullpen has been trashed the last couple of years. They really worked hard to fix it. But I do think when I look at George Goriel and I look at Moreno and I look at some of the new guys that are coming in, even uh, Kyle Lewis, Kyle Lewis I'm enough. looking forward to seeing those guys play to see how much they can help. I'm definitely looking forward to Moreno. I, I mean, we get so enamored with Corbin Carroll and and because we think of him as a rookie of the year. You gotta understand Gabriel Moreno is considered one of the top prospects in all of in baseball. In all of baseball. I, I, I mean he's the scouts love him. Teams love him. They, we had Bob Nightingale on the show earlier. He said look, 90% of the baseball people you'll talk to will tell you the Diamondbacks won that trade with the Blue Jays because they got Moreno from him. They just had a surplus of catchers. The Diamondbacks had a surplus of outfielders. You were able to make a good old-fashioned baseball trade like that. Um, there's, there's a lot I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking forward to. I don't know if you're going to be able to win because of it, but I really am looking forward to when those young pitchers get here and they stay here. You know, Brandon Fott. We're going to see him at he, some point. He might be their best, believe it or not. I do he believe may it. be their best. I do believe that. We saw Tommy Henry a little bit last year. Yeah. You know, uh, Trey Jameson. Jameson. We saw a little bit. Ryan, Ryan Nelson. Nelson. We're going to see this year. He gets the fifth spot in the rotation, so we're going to see a little bit of him. The the future really is baked into those guys when you're talking about the rotation. Madison Bumgarner is going to be here one year, two tops. Zach Davies is going to be here one more year. Um, eventually, you're going to have to turn things over to those young guys in the rotation. I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to see the the outfielders and the change and the balance they've got righty, lefty a little bit. I'm really excited to see that too. And I'll be honest, I'll go throwback on you. I'm excited David to see... David Ligoria? Cattell Marte. Okay. I'm excited to see Cattell Marte. I want to see how him losing 10 pounds trims up his game a little bit, you know, because it, 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 he's been, we all remember that amazing season he had a few years ago. He's never been able to duplicate that at all. They went to him and said, lose the weight. He did. What will it result in? I can't wait to see. I, I'm really excited about this I, season. I think he'll be fine offensively. I've never liked him defensively at second base. Okay. I just haven't. I don't think he's a smooth defensive second baseman. So that's where I hope he's better defensively. They're going to have a great defensive outfield. And having Nick Ahmed back, you know, short short term for a year, they've got good defense at shortstop with him and Perdamo. Evan Longoria still got a great arm at third base. He could still play the position. Christian Walker was a gold glove first baseman. So I think the only weakness defensively is second base. That's it. I mean, and that's, you know, you could cover a lot of that up because they're so good defensively everywhere else. Yeah. Um, the expectations for this season, the Vegas over under 76 wins, you and I both think they're going to come over that, that they're going to be over that. Most if ev- they're not, 
if they're not, it's, I mean, I wonder if heads will roll because that'll be disappointing. If this team wins like 70 games, 70 to 75, you know, you're talking about, you know, if you win 75 games, that's how many losses? 87 losses? Yeah, yeah. 85 losses. 77 and 85 is 162. Yeah, 85 losses. I see. I said 75. So 75, 70 to 75. Oh, so okay. if they had 75 wins, that'd be 87 losses. Okay, yes. Okay. So yeah. you have more yeah, than right. 10 games. Yeah, right. Sorry, my bad. I wonder if that's like, I wonder if that's like, that'll be disappointing because there is a lot of expectations that, and you know what? They, in order to spend more money, they need to get closer. Like they will. Ken Kendrick will spend more money when he feels like they're close to competing and getting to the playoffs. But he's not going to spend that money if the team is, you know, not contending. So yeah. they need to do better. Okay, this weekend, uh, me and the Arizona Sports Promo team, we're going to be at Barney Farms in Queen Creek. It's the new Fulton Homes community out there from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Hosting a two seconds is too long drowning prevention event. We'll be giving you the chance to win Diamondbacks tickets. We'll have live CPR demonstrations from the YMCA and the Queen Creek Fire Department. Drowning is 100% preventable. Come out and learn how to keep kids safe around water. We'll see you out there starting at 10 a.m. The Fulton Homes Community Barney Farms in Queen Creek, 10 a.m. to noon on Saturday. Kevin Durant made his home debut last night, and apparently when it comes to legacy, he says he's not worried about it anymore. That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Double check just to be sure, but I believe Diamondbacks baseball is, yeah, locally, it's the only thing on tonight. Diamondbacks and the Dodgers. And I'm glad that it is on tonight because a few weeks ago we were kind of worried about that. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? It's not even funny. I don't want to laugh at that. Poor Bally Sports Arizona trying to figure out how that's going to work. Yeah, like I... I, We're all just kind of waiting to see what happens with that, right? Yes. Like I, I know I am. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see how that all works out. I, I look. I know it's gonna work out. I just don't know how it's gonna work out. I have no doubt in my mind that we will be able to watch Diamondbacks baseball this year in some form or fashion uninterrupted, and that it, everything will be okay. I really believe. I just don't know where or how or is it a streaming platform? Is it a different channel? Is it whatever? I, I have no idea. Right now, enough to worry. It's a, those games are going to be on Bally Sports. Yes, indeed. Uh, and that game starts at 7-10 tonight. Coyotes aren't in action tonight locally. The Suns aren't back at it until they take on the Denver Nuggets. Tomorrow, we'll be live at Footprint Center tomorrow for that Nuggets game tomorrow night at Footprint Center. So make sure you come down and see us tomorrow. We'll be there. Uh, but Diamondbacks baseball is what's on tonight. And uh, we've got bonus burns and gamble coverage because of it. We'll be on until 6.30 or so. So we'll preview the game coming up in a little bit. But opening day for Major League Baseball, opening day for the Diamondbacks, and we are excited, albeit with a very unusual starting lineup for the Diamondbacks. I don't know how else to put it. It's not quite what I expected to see Corbin Carroll batting sixth. They got the two of their the two of their young speed. Now they got speed at the end of the lineup. I think that's going to be interesting with Carroll batting seventh and McCarthy ninth. 
But the left-handed, younger players, left-handed bats against a, you know, a player like, like Urias, I think that they feel like it's better to have the right-handed bats early in the lineup. That's where you see Christian Walker and Cattell Marte, who's a switch hitter, and you've got Evan Longoria and George Goriel and, and Nick Ahmed. So they kind of loaded up Kyle Lewis. They loaded up with the right-handed bats early, and they'll have some of the left-handed bats in the lineup, but later. I apologize. Uh, Corbin Carroll is hitting seventh, not sixth. Seventh on this yep, boat. Seventh so. for Carroll and ninth for McCarthy. Yep, very, very unusual. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out for the night. Looking forward to it. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Kevin Durant making his home debut last night. Obviously, it's it's not only was it the top story of the day for us today, it was also, to nobody's surprise, and I got this email from Brett Hansen over at Bally Sports Arizona, speak of the devil, um, who points out that Kevin Durant's son's home debut last night was generated a rating that had not been recorded on Bally Sports Arizona since 2017. It was the highest rated Suns regular season game on the network since 2010. Wow. It was the highest rated game of any kind on Bally Sports Arizona since the D-backs and the Dodgers on September 6th of 2017. That's impressive. It's a long time. Uh, it was the highest rated TV program of any kind in Phoenix. Um, it was big. It was huge. We all expected it was going to be big. I had no idea it was going to be Bally Sports most watched broadcast <laughs> since 2000. And if I remember right, D-backs Dodgers 2017, that was the Diamondbacks wild card year, right? Where they, that, that was Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley that was the triple. Rockies. That was yeah, the, yeah, that, that was, was, that was that triple. year. And so that was the final month of that season when the Diamondbacks were on a roll. And I think he even had a chance to win the West going into that last month of the season, if I remember right. So those games were very important. Important and very much mattered. Um, good, good for them, and good for Bally Sports for putting that out there. Now, as far as KD goes, his 16 points last night. He missed 13 of his 18 shots. It was a little bit rough. the The other interesting thing to talk about with KD is this this interview he gave to the Athletic and Sham Sharania, in which he was pretty blunt about what he thought about his legacy and things like that. It's, the, the title of the article was "Kevin Durant Unplugged." He told the Athletic, "Quote: I don't care about legacy." I used to. I used to want to carve out a lane or space in this game for myself that people can remember, but it's become too much of a thing now. Nowadays, I truly, truly don't care. I truly just want to go out there and produce, be the best that I could be, go home, hang with my family. That's it. Close I quote. think his legacy is pretty cemented. I mean, and, and, I, and I like his comments. I really do. I think they're fantastic. I think he said, I don't think about it anymore. I don't worry about it anymore. You know, if, I, if we win, we, that's great. And if we don't, I'm not going to like his legacy cemented. He's one of the greatest players that's ever played and he's got two championship rings and you can't take him away from him. People can criticize him all they want, but everybody knows he's one of the great players that ever played. I think when he was younger and he was chasing the stardom and the rings and 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 he he took the heavy criticism for for some of the things he did, he was worried about his legacy. He wanted to be great. He wanted to be in that category. But now that he is like he's there's nothing. Listen, if he wins a championship with the 
sons. He can add to his legacy, but I don't think he can hurt his legacy. I think his legacy is one of the is one of the greatest is in stone. I know you said locally here we may look at him a little differently. Like ah, you were the savior. You were the guy who's going to get us over the top. But I think overall his legacy is pretty. Oh, I, I agree with you. I, I'm I'm just I'm thinking of it as a forever Suns fan. You know, as a born and raised Suns fan. If, if for me, if we're talking about Kevin Durant's legacy as an NBA player, his legacy is secure. He can. You're right. He can only add to it. There's no subtracting off of Kevin Durant's legacy. But if we get to the end of this journey with Kevin Durant and the Suns, and it doesn't yield any championships for the Suns, it, it, that that will affect his legacy as a son. Right? Yes. Because his legacy as a son can only be defined by winning a championship. Yes. Only. And, and that sucks. Sorry, I, and, but and, that's kind of how it goes, right? And I know it's not It's not the same example because Kevin Durant is still at the peak of his playing, and Shaq wasn't. But when Shaq came here and put his ring up and pointed to his ring and everybody got excited thinking Shaq was going to deliver a championship, he didn't hurt his legacy by not winning here in Phoenix. He had won enough. He had won championships with L.A. and Miami. Like he was his legacy was cemented. So he didn't hurt his legacy by not winning here in Phoenix. If he would have won, he would have added to it. Oh, my God, this guy won championships in three different places. He didn't. But his legacy is still secure as one of the great centers in the game. Durant's legacy is secure, but he could absolutely add to it by winning. Sure, And even like Shaq's legacy as a son, I I, maybe I'm in the minority, uh, but I I swear we weren't doing the show together then. You were with Mark at the time and I was doing the nighttime show here. I I distinctly remember doing shows around the time of the Shaq acquisition and I was not a fan. I, I, I just, I didn't think that he was the key to any kind of championship. I didn't think that he was, oh, here it comes. He's pointing to a ring. It means a ring is coming to the Phoenix Suns and he's going to win. No, I never thought that about Shaq. I never did. I, I thought it was I thought the Shaq acquisition was a Hail Mary by an organization that at the time was desperate to keep up with the Lakers, that was leading the race for years and fell behind. And when they fell behind, they did something desperate to catch up. They traded for Shaq, and it was it was a desperate move by an organization that was starting to and, slip. And he actually played. He wasn't. I thought he was slipping, and I didn't think he had much game left. He actually played pretty decent when he oh, was he here. Did. Yeah, he, he, he played an not good. Second year. What, did they even win a playoff game with him? They went to the playoffs his second year. I. I maybe one game. If you, I think maybe they won one game with him, but if they didn't win more than one in the playoffs, they got knocked out in the first round. I can't remember. They got knocked out in the first round. I don't know if they got swept or they got beat four to one. But they didn't go very far. So his legacy, like you know, his legacy was good. He made an All Star team, but they didn't. They didn't win anything with him. His legacy here was. It it was his legacy was more. Based on what he did in L.A. and even Miami, but not, nothing he did here. Now he, let's see, I'm looking. They oh boy, good memory. They won one game against San Antonio in 2008. Yep, let's see, in the, in the he was 35 years old in the Western Conference first round. They lost to the Spurs four games to one. Yeah, that was his one and only playoff. Kevin Durant will be 35 in a couple of months. Few months, September. It's such a different thirty-five, though. It really is. Yeah, I don't. I think you're right. I agree. Really different thirty-five for Kevin Durant. Shaq was an old Mm thirty-five. Durant is still. I've got two or three years left of being in my prime. Yeah, it doesn't mean that Kevin Durant's going to play eighty-two games a year. He's not. Newsflash: That's not going to happen. But I think in the games that he does play, he's still one of the top. 
five or six basketball players in the NBA. I don't even remember a great Shaq game, to be honest with you, with the Suns. I'm sure there was. Oh, I'm sure there was. But I don't remember him like, oh my God, oh, Shaq was great. I just remember hating the trade because I loved Sean Marion <laughs> and I didn't want them. And I remember calling Steve Kerr that. What are you doing? Wait. I remember talking to Kerr and he was like, I didn't want to do it. He was like, I didn't want to do it. Gambo was Mike. Mike wanted to do it. I'm like, all right, well, you're the GM. Just should have just said no. And he goes, but then we went to Steve and we asked Steve Nash, what do you want to do? And Steve wanted to make the trade. Yeah. Back to Durant. I, I, I hope what he said. And not that I question the authenticity of it. I, I hope what he says he takes to heart. Because Kevin Durant, we just saw it a couple of days ago, right? Getting kind of drawn into that conversation with Charles Barkley, right? Like, and, sure. and he still, it seems like, can get baited to a certain extent in saying things about him and his legacy. And if he truly doesn't care anymore, if he's truly not about that, then he shouldn't give a rip what Charles Barkley really, has to say about him. It's a really good point because you it's hard to not fight back you got to try you gotta, it is it's hard not to fight back you know when people are criticizing you and they don't know what the hell they're talking about but if you don't you know? care there, there's a book i read a couple of years ago called the subtle art of not giving a bleep right you know it's a great book and it basically taught you to identify the things you give a bleep about and identify yeah. the things that you don't and the things that you don't you just don't you just don't care and if Kevin Durant really doesn't care about his legacy anymore then he shouldn't get bent out of shape about it and he shouldn't even respond yeah. to what Charles Barkley has to say about him or anybody has to say about him he's just I don't care anymore I'm just here to play basketball go home and hang out with my family and be the best player I can be yeah, that's it's, it it's, it's not not the easiest thing to do. Trust me. When I would get criticized on Twitter by people like, no, oh, come on, Gamble's wrong half the time. Really? Like, I get all my, my information from owners, GMs, coaches, and players. I'm right 99.9% of the time. And you'd feel this need to fight back with these people. Like, you're an idiot. But you're right. Like, Durant's got to find a way to not be upset when Charles Barkley and other people criticize. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Drive-In. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. Yeah, you play a little John Fogarty. It sounds like Diamondbacks on deck here on the Burns and Gambo Show, doesn't it? It's back. Brings back some memories. It's back. No doubt. It's baseball is back. Yes. We're watching games in here as we're doing the show. And, of course, the Diamondbacks opening up their season tonight against the L.A. Dodgers in a game that starts just under an hour from now. Our network pregame coverage begins in about 10 minutes. This is D-backs on deck as we get you ready for the game tonight. A daily feature here on the Burns and Gambo Show. And we've got a Diamondbacks game coming up. Diamondbacks and the Dodgers tonight. Nights and let's just get right to the pitching matchup, Gambo, and why not? Because it features the guy who finished third in last year's Cy Young Award voting and Julio Urias for the Dodgers versus the guy who finished fifth in Zach Gallen from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, this is a great pitching matchup. It really is. And I know the Diamondbacks are trying to load up on right-handed hitters with their lineup at first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, all right-handed hitters. But the reality is when you look at 
at how good Urias is. He is as good against right-handers as he is against left-handers. I mean, the numbers are really remarkable. Now, I know what the Diamondbacks are trying to do. You want to put the righties up there, but he has been great. Right-handed hitters hit 204 against them. Lefties, 178. On-base plus slugging, I know you're down with that. 610, the righties. 553, the lefties. Those numbers are so good. So think about this. Those numbers are so good. Left-handed hitters hit 178 against them with an OPS of 553. Right-handers, 204 with an OPS of 610. That's how good he is. So I get it that you want to put the righties in the lineup as best you can, but he is he's tough to face whether you're a right-handed hitter or a left-handed hitter. Yeah, for Zach Gallen, career high in wins, career best ERA, career best in innings pitched last year uh, in his career against the Dodgers. He's got an ERA of 2.30. It's a big day for him. It's his first ever opening day start. We had him on the show a couple days ago. Family, friends, they're all going to be there at Chavez Ravine to watch this big moment for him. And for him, there are people who believe he is going to be the Cy Young Award winner in the National League. Not a lot of people. I don't want to oversell it. But there are some who believe he's going to be that guy this year. Well, what burst him onto that scene last year was that incredible streak of 44 and a third scoreless innings, consecutive scoreless innings. We kept looking at it, you know, game by game, every fifth day. And, you know, what was it? Brandon Webb was at the top of that list. Is he going to pass him? Is he going to pass him? And then eventually he did. It's a franchise record. Now, he ended up leading the major leagues in whip, which I know you're down with. <laughs> Hits per nine innings. I like that one, too. And he was fifth in the Cy Young voting, like you mentioned. So it was a tremendous accomplishment for him. He's one of the better young pitchers in baseball. And he's that guy that you have to rely on if you're the Diamondbacks. He's the guy that has to stop losing streaks, start winning streaks. And every fifth day when he takes the mound, your club's going to feel like they got a chance to win a baseball game when Zach Allen's on the mound. You mentioned the lineup for tonight. You kind of alluded to it. It is unorthodox, uh, at least not what we were expecting for opening day. Kyle Lewis is the designated hitter. He's batting leadoff. Cattell Marte batting second. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. playing in left, batting third. Christian Walker is handling the cleanup duties. He's batting fourth at first base. Evan Longoria batting fifth. Nick Ahmed at shortstop batting sixth. It's not until you get to the seventh spot in the lineup where you get to Corbin Carroll. He's playing in center. Gabriel Moreno, the rookie catcher, is batting eighth. Jake McCarthy is hitting ninth. So no Alex Thomas in the lineup tonight. No, no Alex Thomas. Thomas. He's He's not in there because, you know, your outfielders are Goriel Jr. in left and in Carolyn Center and McCarthy in right. The other guy that's not playing tonight is Rojas, Josh Rojas, who was very good with Nick Ahmed at shortstop and Evan Longoria third and Cattell at second. Josh Rojas is not in the lineup. So two of your, you know, guys that were key regulars last year not playing. Look, I mean, remember, they brought in a lot of right-handed bats to try to bring some balance to the lineup. Tonight's a good right-out-of-the-shoot test of that theory, and you're going to use those guys, as you alluded to, starting tonight. Now, your injury report for tonight's game, it's early in the season, but that doesn't mean that there aren't guys hurt for the Diamondbacks, and it's brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. For the Diamondbacks, Carson Kelly, of course, is hurt with that fractured forearm. Joe Mantiply, Corbin Martin, Mark Melanson, three pitchers in the bullpen who are out with shoulder inflammation, torn lat tendon and a strange shoulder 
and in order. That's what the injuries are. All right, David Peralta in the lineup for the Dodgers tonight. Former Diamondback. They're going to be facing they, J.D. Martinez as well, former Diamondback, and Daniel Hudson might be the closer for that team. We don't know who the closer is. They haven't said that yet with the Dodgers. So, but the Diamondbacks are expected to go closer by committee. Basically, matchups. Whatever the matchups are, they'll they'll favor that. That was kind of the assumption with the bullpen. Torrey Lovello had never really named one this offseason or during spring training. Somebody's got to earn it. Most people had sort of assumed it was going to be based off of matchups and who's coming up and things like that. So we'll see that committee if somebody emerges or if it ends up being a committee for most of the year. We will see. We're all excited about it. We're all looking forward to it. There is a sense of anticipation for the season. There's no denying that to see what this team is capable of doing. Maybe contending for a playoff spot down the stretch would be fun. If they can get it, that'd be great. We'll see if they can contend for it. As far as tonight goes, let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs, keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. All right, you look at it, and Zach Allen's had a lot of success against a lot of guys in his lineup. Max Muncy's two for 17. Freddie Freeman's one for nine. But one guy with a 385 batting average against him, Mookie Betts, five for 13. He's at the top of the lineup. He's leading off. He's the key. You got to get him out. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Burns and Gambo. Diamondbacks baseball is next. We'll see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock live from Footprint Center here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Get the car.